episode 175 of the shock shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network Sean St. Jacques here once again to talk more Knicks talk about the National Basketball Association we don't miss a week around here Uh, thanks as always for tuning into the podcast one quick reminder before we start make sure if you can to Leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. We really appreciate it, as always. We start the show by telling you that we've got a doozy this week. And I normally say doozy in a positive manner. Um, This one's not in a positive manner. A lot of stuff to get to. Uh, on a very negative side of things, some more negative than others. Um, the only good news is, is that it's an all New York show this week. It's only Knicks and Nets. There's not really much else to talk about this week. Uh, we will get to uh, what I'm calling a stack of debacles for the Nets in the second half of the show. My gosh, everything from Steve Nash to Kyrie Irving and everything in between going on in the wild and crazy borough of Brooklyn. But first, we go to Madison Square Garden where things are quickly uh, turning in the wrong direction for the New York Knicks. It only took a week. (laughs) It only took a week for a lot of Knicks optimism to be brought halted halted and brought very swiftly back down to a uh, a round earth I should say for some people that may be listening to the podcast. Okay. Um let's start with the Knicks. Again, like I said, we will touch on the absolute mayhem that is continuing to develop with the New York uh, New York, goodness me, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh let's start with the New York Knicks, however, and Man, how quickly things can change in a week. Uh, We were talking about the Knicks last week going into that game against Milwaukee feeling really good about themselves and the fact that they could have gone for four straight, had beaten the Hornets in a very tight game at the Garden. And since then, the Knicks haven't won a game. Um, Let's quickly review the games. And I I think I have a brief first synopsis or at least a thought on an explanation for all of this in a second but I just want to start with the fact that listen you know the Milwaukee game I thought was a game and, I, and listen I did the preview and the breakdown on, on posting and toasting.com part of our great writers group there that's been covering the the league I, I just and specifically the Knicks of course I, I just thought you know after breaking it down in the preview the matchups and what the Bucks looked like coming into the game. I thought the Bucks were going to win the game. I really did. And that materialized. The Bucks are just having a strong start to the season, despite the fact that, once again, they're dealing with injuries. And the Bucks, by the way, are still undefeated. They're 7-0. They haven't lost a game. They've beaten the Pistons twice, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Nets, the Rockets, and the Sixers. It, it's a, it's a franchise-tying 7 and 0 start to the regular season. The the Bucks have a point to prove this year and will be a title contender throughout the season. They are showing that early on and they put the Knicks in their place, frankly, in this game. To be fair, I, the Knicks were never really out of the game, I thought. 
and they ended up Knicks ended up losing by 11 but the Knicks held firm they they gave it a really they gave the Bucks a tough tough fight in the end Giannis was too much uh somebody else besides RJ Barrett needed to have a big night Barrett had 20 points nobody else was able to score more than that for the Knicks and and if the Knicks are going to beat the Bucks they have to have somebody else have a big night Jalen Brunson was three of ten from the field so was Julius Randle it just wasn't enough and the Knicks lost to a much better team Toppin and Rose had double figures off the bench but at the end of the day the Bucks were just better more efficient from the field I should say beg your pardon more efficient from the free throw line I should say Knicks were actually more efficient just barely uh, from the field but it's it's a star power game. Bucks, by the way, had six players in double figures. You know, and listen, so did the Knicks. But the Bucks had their best players in double figures, guys that are capable of having big nights. And Giannis had a big night. True Holiday had a big night, and Grayson Allen had a big night. Everyone's favorite player, Grayson Allen, had a great night. So I just chalked that one up to the the Bucks are a better team. And they proved it. The Knicks are a good team. They're competitive. The Bucs are better. And the Knicks have beaten the Bucs in Milwaukee recently. But this was a different story. And the Knicks lost 119-108. to The next two are, are absolute heartbreakers in my mind. Absolute heartbreakers. And we start in Cleveland where, I, listen, I tuned in for the game in the third quarter. I missed the first half due to work uh, commitments. I tuned in for the second half and I felt great going into the fourth quarter. I felt like, wow, this would be a nice statement win for the Knicks to get. The Cavs at the time, and I don't know if they have since, undefeated at home to start the season. And the Knicks could have not only given them their first loss, but do it against Donovan Mitchell, a guy that they were going to get at one point during the offseason. And Donovan Mitchell ends up being the guy that that takes the Knicks out. He had some crazy good plays. The spin and dunk uh, over Hartenstein was the big play of the night. He finished with 38 points. And the Knicks' leading score, I didn't notice this until after the game, despite how good the Knicks were going into the fourth quarter, I, th- I think the Knicks had a... Uh, actually, was it a... I think the Knicks had a double-digit lead going into the fourth quarter, if memory serves. Maybe not. Maybe it was a 9 or, it was a nine or a 10-point lead going into the fourth. And Donovan Mitchell goes off. Kevin Love had a huge night as well. He had 29 points. Donovan Mitchell had 38 and 12 assists to four turnovers in the game. But to go back to my original point, Jalen Brunson and Evan Fournier were the team's leading scorers. They had 16 points each. I mean, again, against a Cleveland team that is expecting to do a lot of things this season, not good enough. Your stars have to step up. It's another rough game from Julius Randle scoring the basketball as well. He was held to 5 of 13 shooting. And he almost had a triple-double, but 15 points, you know, is not good enough against a better team. And Donovan Mitchell put on a a ridiculously good show. I'd argue almost as good as, you know, the early LeBron Cavs days, right, when he was carrying teams at times. It was that good. It was that good, and the Knicks were outscored 37-15 to in the fourth. 37-15 to 
in the fourth quarter. I mean, just a shell of themselves from the first three quarters of the game, where I thought at times the Knicks were the better team in the first three quarters, in particularly in the third. The Knicks were dominant at times in the third quarter, completely unraveled in the fourth. And the Cavs showed why right now I think they're a better team than the Knicks. And then the Atlanta game, I turned it off. I turned it off midway through the third quarter. Couldn't believe what I was watching. Couldn't believe what I was watching. The Knicks, I believe, and I'm, I had to double check this uh, earlier today. I think at one point, the Knicks had like a 21-point lead. Am I wrong? They had a huge lead at one point in the second quarter. And they had a 22-point lead. Knicks had a 22-point lead. Was it any bigger than that? I'm trying to see how what, what the Knicks' largest lead of the game was. Knicks had a 24-point lead, it looks like. 23, sorry, 23-point lead. Knicks had a 23-point lead in the game. They were up 51-28 with seven, just under seven minutes to go in the first half. R.J. Barrett made a three-pointer to give the Knicks a 23-point lead. And the Knicks had a big lead at the half. Atlanta ended up scoring the Knicks in the quarter. But the Knicks at the half, I think, still had like a seven-point lead, eight-point lead at the break. So you're feeling good going in to the third quarter. You know, Obviously, the, the Hawks had gotten it back to within striking distance, but you're thinking, all right, if the Knicks can put together a good third quarter, I think they'll win the game. And the Knicks get outscored. You thought the 15 points was bad. Knicks get outscored 32-10. to 10. In the third quarter, and I turned the game off. I turned it off. I couldn't believe what I was watching midway through the third. I mean, at one point, I think there was a stretch in the third quarter where it took the Knicks like three or four minutes to get a bucket to start the quarter. I mean, atrocious on both ends of the floor. I get it. DeJounte Murray had a huge night. I think he had a career-high night, 36 points. But you cannot tell me. Like, like you, if you told me before the game, this is the best way to put it. If you told me before the game, Trey Young had 17 points and seven assists, I'd, I'd say the Knicks win the game. Knicks win the game. But they let DeJounte Murray go wild at the Garden. Unacceptable defensive effort guarding him. Unacceptable. The, Haw- the Hawks bench, by the way, did nothing. They, they had no impact on the game whatsoever. It was really DeJounte Murray's performance that, that led the Hawks to the victory. A victory that they thoroughly did not deserve. Knicks were much better in that first half. And frankly, I mean, just look at the full balance. Knicks were okay in the fourth. They cut it back at one point, made it a decent game, and then the Hawks finished them off. But it, it feels like last year again this game the one bad quarter it happened in Cleveland it's happened here against Atlanta a team that the Knicks I mean this is a team the Knicks are trying to catch up to and they lose 112-99 an embarrassing loss Julius Randle by the way again struggled 
14 points on 12 shots. Missed eight shots from the field. Missed all four of his three-pointers. Barrett had 19. Brunson had 20. But last three games for Julius Randle, he just not brought it with scoring. Not good enough. Knicks are getting decent numbers off the bench quickly and topping again in double figures. It, you, you, it, you go back to the stars and why all of a sudden these last three games, it just hasn't been working for the Knicks offensively at critical times during the game. I mean, again, you could throw the defensive parts out there too. The one quarter in Cleveland was dreadful. And then the third quarter against Atlanta, just awful defensively. Really, really poor. But with all that being said, I I really have a simple thought on this. And that thought is, I think the Knicks were humbled for a reason. Now, you could say, well, Sean, that they, they have to be somewhat of a good team to get up by 23 against Atlanta and to have a chance at Cleveland with a double-digit lead to get a win. Sure. But in the NBA, and for a Knicks team that's trying to take the next step, moral victories don't matter. They really don't. This is a Knicks team that expects to be in the play-in. You can't lose games like that. Now, are, are, are the Hawks... The Cavs and the Bucks better than the Knicks? They are right now, 100%. There's no debating that. So maybe you could say, well, they, they just started playing tougher teams. It's an 82-game season. These are games you have to win if you have a lead. You cannot throw away a 23-point lead at home against anybody. I don't care who they are. Unacceptable. And the Cleveland game, again, watching the second half, couldn't believe it. I know Donovan Mitchell is is very good. We wanted him very badly, to be fair. But I still, the way the Knicks played in the first half, you're thinking, especially in the third quarter, the third quarter in particular, the Knicks played so well. How do they have that big of a lapse in the fourth? I know Donovan Mitchell is great. You still got to find a way to win that game. You've given yourself too much of a cushion to let it slip away like that. Very disappointing. But the the Hawks game is the worst of the bunch from the past week. It's a heartbreaking defeat. And again, I I, I turned the game off. I watched the, I watched the highlights back just to know what happened for the podcast, but I turned it off. I turned it off midway through the third quarter. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe how badly the Knicks responded in the second half. Absolutely dreadful. And it shows where the Knicks are as far as that winning mentality. They don't have one against the better teams. They just don't. They just don't have it. It was frankly, for a team that has showed promise the first four games, and I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but it was a pitiful performance in that third quarter against Atlanta absolutely dreadful could not be much worse than that it's a huge wake-up call early for the Knicks and I don't know if they'll be able to recover from it frankly it really is a big test again that kind of shows like hey like these are the teams you're trying to get to and they're way better than you you can have a 23 point lead they'll still come back and beat you 
Can the Knicks overcome that? You know, they've got Philly on the road next. And, and it's against a, a Sixers team that the Knicks just haven't been able to beat in years past. Then they've got Boston, Minnesota. Boy, we will get to Brooklyn in a second. Detroit, OKC, Utah, Denver, and that huge road trip in November. Denver, Utah, Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, OKC. I mean, these next seven games, are, are six in particular, are huge. Because if the Knicks go are below 500 going into that six-game road trip or five-game road trip out west, they're in big trouble. They are in big, big trouble. Knicks could be five or six games below 500 by the time we're eating turkey on Thanksgiving. And for me, that's that's the first benchmark. Where are you at at Thanksgiving? If the Knicks are below 500 at Thanksgiving, they might not be able to recover from it when it comes to the playoffs. We told you how good the East is this season. It's not a joke. And if the Knicks are throwing away games like this, Back-to-back games, the Knicks had a chance, a really good chance to win against two playoff contenders, and they threw both of them away on a bad quarter. The fourth quarter in Cleveland, the third quarter at MSG against Atlanta. And again, these are, these are the games that if you don't recover from, they turn into a bad week, bad weeks, bad month. And that's what cost the Knicks last year. The month of February crippled their chances of making the playoffs. And they had games like this where they just either didn't show up in a quarter or completely and utterly threw a game away in the latter stages. And that's what teams that are mediocre and either sometimes barely sneak in or don't make the playoffs do. And that's what the Knicks are. That's what the Knicks are. Huge wake-up call for the Knicks this past week. And again, I don't know if I have confidence right now that they can come through it. I know it's early. It's seven games in. They're three and four. But the Knicks have a tough schedule in November. Really tough the rest of the month. And and again, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to come through it all right. Again, the Knicks have to be... If we're, again, December 1st, if the Knicks are not above or at 500, I really don't know if they're going to survive this playoff race. And it just it's just so infuriating that they're throwing away games like this. Again, 23-point lead on your home floor. I don't care who you're playing. There's no excuse. You have to win that game. And really, it was one player in both of those games. DeJounte Murray goes off in the Atlanta game. Donovan Mitchell goes off in the Cleveland game. And it's again, it's as if the Knicks are sleepwalking. They don't know what to do. They can't adjust. And that's on the coaching staff. It's infuriating to watch. Infuriating to watch them when they just look lost on the defensive end of the floor. I want You want to throw your remote through your TV. Or in, in this case for me, through my, my laptop where I watch the, <laughs> where I watch the games. It's absolutely insane. I I get so uh, I'm beside myself at times watching the Knicks when they're in that state because this is how it's been, even when they've been good the last couple of years, or at least competitive last year and and good the year before. They just throw games away. 
it's 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 mind-boggling to watch that's all i have uh we'll see how the knicks do i have i i'm already again maybe that it's the cynic in me the the nick fan in me i'm already starting to run out of confidence in this team and i would seven games in it's hyperbolic to say but these are early symptoms that the knicks are going to really struggle to make the play in you can't play like this and expect to win games you can't do it We'll take a break. Let me know what you think about it in the comments section below, postingandtoasting.com in the comments or wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, wherever. It's always appreciated. And we thank you as always for sharing your thoughts or or at SJ7 on Twitter. I almost forgot to say that. Hit me up on Twitter. It's always a good place to, uh, to share your thoughts. I'm much more likely to see them. Uh, if you hit me up on Twitter, to be fair, just because of the way my schedule is and the amount of time. Like, I've deleted social media from, from my phone. But when I'm on my laptop, I'm more likely to check Twitter than I am to check the comments sometimes. So that's the best place to reach me. Um, let's take a break. We definitely need one uh, because of what we're going to talk about next. We'll switch the borough from Manhattan to Brooklyn and go through the laundry list, uh, the tower of debacles that continue to pile up for the Brooklyn Nets. We'll talk about Kyrie. We'll talk about Steve Nash. We'll talk about things that are uncomfortable to talk about but need to be talked about next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Second half of the show, where do we start? Where do we start with the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, it, it has become a an unbelievable uh, sequence of events, you know, laundry list of just absolute mayhem. Um, I Again, I almost don't know where to begin because... I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do the timeline way and just go chronologically here or if I want to go what what is the most important thing first. I guess I'll do a mix of the two. Um, I'll start with this. Uh, Kyrie Irving had a press conference, I believe a day or two ago. We're recording on the Thursday uh, for the Friday. Um, because... Uh, he addressed some things he posted, I believe, on, on his social media accounts. I forget if it was Instagram or Twitter. Frankly, it doesn't really matter where he posted it, but he did post it. Um, a reporter, um, I think it was Nick Friedel from ESPN, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, um, asked him questions about a documentary uh, that Kyrie Irving had posted about basically uh promoting uh you know very very heinous things against jewish people um against east african people um and against other people from the eastern part of the world and it was very racist um it was uh I guess I, you know, very heinous commentary towards Jewish people. A lot of people were hitting the crossfire here. Um, the Jewish part of it, you know, the anti-Semitism, um, 
seem to really uh, surface the most here with the documentary. I just want to be very transparent here. Um, I've looked up the documentary. I have not watched it. I don't plan on watching it based on what I've read about it. It is not something that I want to subject myself to. It It is very... Uh, what's the right word? Um, it's sickening just to read about what the documentary is about, let alone watching it. That's the best way I could put it. Um, I'm not going to bring myself to do that. Uh, I've read enough about it to feel pretty confident about what's in it. And I'm not going to watch it because of what the contents are that are in it. Um, it is up to you if you want to do that. Um, but just that's, I want to make that very clear before I jump into what Kyrie actually said, uh, in response to the questions sent to him by the media in this initial press conference. So the two biggest things that I took away from it, from the initial press conference where he was pressed about this was the fact that the questions were around initially why Kyrie posted it, right? The initial questions were, do you believe what you're posting? You know, are you supporting this? Why are you posting about it? And Kyrie, because Alex Jones's name was brought up as well, a question had something to do with Alex Jones. I think Kyrie had posted something about Alex Jones and a thought he had back in the 90s. And Alex Jones said something about like secret societies and that they're running America and they're running the world and all this stuff. And Kyrie had a very ignorant answer to the question. I think that's the best way I could put it's the best word I could use for it. He, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said that I don't stand with Alex Jones. What he said about Sandy Hook because for those that don't know, Alex Jones has come out and said that Sandy Hook, the Sandy Hook shooting uh, was fake and that the kids weren't actually killed and that the families were in on it. Obviously, absolute BS. He's been taken to court on it. He's owed, he's going to, apparently he's going to owe tens of millions of dollars. Um, I don't know if those families will ever see that money, but uh, they should because they've been put through the ringer more times than anyone should ever be put through such a awful and you know sickening situation to have their kids taken from them in such a, a gruesome manner and then have to relive it because an asshole uh, beg your you're part of my French um, is saying that it didn't happen it's unbelievable but anyway so Kyrie condemns he just says that he doesn't agree with that didn't condemn it really. He just said that, you know, I don't stand with Alex Jones on his thoughts on Stan on Sandy Hook, but I posted something that he said about secret societies back in the nineties. And then he said, he said the words and he's right by the way, basically. And then said, but I don't stand with Alex Jones. So he says that I don't agree with Alex Jones and I don't stand with him. And then agrees with something he posted about or said about secret societies decades ago. Like, what are you doing? How stupid are you to say something like that to literally contradict yourself in the same sentence this this i'm smarter than you 
bravado that Kyrie brings to the table in this uh, media availability is mind-numbing to me. I I couldn't believe it when I was listening back to the actual clip from the... um, from the press conference. Then, by the, and by the way, this is all on the heels of Joe Sy coming out and condemning what Kyrie had said and um, or posted about, and then he condemned what Kyrie said at the press conference, and we'll get to what the latest stuff, because Kyrie's asked about it again on Thursday. Like, there, there is just so much ignorance. Like, this is not the flat earth stuff, right? Like, this is seriously... And by the way, the flat earth stuff's bad enough. Like, it's just inaccurate. But this is impacting people's lives here. And, and also, the, and also, by the way, I should, I should have led with this. This is coming on the heels of what's been going on with Kanye West and the crap he's been spewing about Jewish people. I, I mean, it's unbleeping believable what he's been talking about. And for some reason, Kanye, after what he said, is getting support, basically, from Kyrie Irving. I, I don't understand it. It's unbelievable. And again, the Florida-Georgia game in college football, uh, the cocktail party, it's played in Jacksonville every year, the, the rivalry game between those two. There's like painted a painted sign or like a big, you know... Um, Basically, you know, a big symbol of support saying that Kanye, Kanye's right about the Jews. I mean, the the absolute ignorance and asinine behavior and rhetoric knows no bounds here from these two people. And, you know, since Adidas has dropped Kanye and then Skechers was, you know, uh, Kanye was trying to go to Skechers and Skechers said take a hike. I mean, it's unbelievable. To think that Kanye could just say all those things and then think, well, Skechers will take my ideas. And I believe Skechers actually is owned by a Jewish family. So good on them telling him to, to take a hike. I mean, it's unbelievable. I continue on Kyrie. The reporter presses Kyrie and, and says, well, you promoted this. Like, do you believe it? And Kanye says, uh, Kanye, sorry. Kyrie says, don't dehumanize me. That's his response. How tone deaf can you possibly be by posting something about a documentary that is saying the absolute, like promoting basically the dehumanization of Jewish people and other walks of life and then say, don't dehumanize me after promoting that because he did promote it. Enough with the semantics of, well, I just posted about it. I didn't say go watch it. I just posted about it. Get lost. F off. Kyrie couldn't be more wrong about this. And and there's even other people saying, well, it's a semantics debate. Get over yourselves. That is a cop-out, BS, ignorant answer. If you post something on social media, your name is on it. You are promoting it. You said it. End of discussion. There's no debate. You said it. 
There's no takeies backsies on social media, people. How many times, and I'm not talking to the audience, not talking to you here, talking to people in general. How many times do we need to learn this lesson? There's no takesies backsies. Herm Edwards, the NFL and college coach, had a line when he worked for ESPN years ago. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you better think about it before you press send. And there's other things that Herm Edwards has done and said recently that I don't agree with. That's something I do agree with. If you're not comfortable or not willing to take the backlash from what you're posting, because there's, we can't say like, I, I even think people saying, well, how can you, how could you know like what the ramifications will be? If you have any doubts whatsoever on what those ramifications are, you shouldn't post it. I'm going to give you a personal example of this. Yankees, Guardians, ALDS, this year. Yankees blow a lead in the ninth in Cleveland. They lose game three. They're down 2-1. And I ripped Aaron Boone on social media. I ripped him. And I'll admit, I deleted the tweet. But I, I reflected on it. And I thought, why did I do that? I, now listen, I was upset. I felt very very frustrated with the way Aaron Boone handled the game. I thought he blew the game and nearly blew the series for us. But I'll tell you what, I don't like the way I worded the tweet. So I deleted it. I didn't like the way I acted. I should have thought about that before I posted the tweet. And I'm sorry, Kyrie, you're a public figure. So are you, Kanye. There's no excuse. Absolutely zero excuse for this. And to say, well, I didn't promote it. I just posted about it. Get out of here with that. You're not fooling anybody. You're not the smartest guy in the room. You're one of the dumbest. It's so clear. There's no debate about this. It's unbelievable. It's frankly unbelievable that he's that dumb. It really is. Now, the NBA released a statement on Thursday, and it was Adam Silver who actually finally propped up, and a lot of people have been shocked with the lack of urgency, frankly, that the commissioner of the NBA has shown over this issue, considering he is Jewish, first of all, but considering not only how many Jewish fans there are of the NBA, but how many Jewish fans root for the Brooklyn Nets that are in New York, the tri-state area in particular. I I mean, it it, it frankly is disgusting. And I I just want to say this, I don't know if anyone has seen this photo, but I want to tip my cap 
to to the people that stood or sat, I should say, that sat courtside with the uh, oh, I forget what what the shirt said. They were all wearing a shirt. Uh, a few of them, you know, they were Jewish. Uh, the men had yarmulkes on. Uh, the women that were sitting next to them were also wearing the shirt. I sent it to a buddy of mine. We we had a really uh, a really great uh, chuckle over it because so th- so the shirts say "Fight Anti-Semitism" on them. There's uh, I'm looking at the photo now. I think there's seven or eight people uh, courtside wearing the shirt. Kyrie Irving in the photo is walking right in front of them and having to look away. Good on you. Good on you. That's that is a lot of money to sit in those seats. But way to way to use that money to really send a message. I thought it was tremendous. It's one of the my favorite photos I think I've ever seen in my life. And I and Kyrie, I hope you got a good old eyeful of those people that you are hurting by what you're saying, what you're promoting. Let's make no mistake about that. And what you're standing by. Absolutely ignorant from Kyrie Irving. So Adam Silver on Thursday said this. Quote, Kyrie Irving made a reckless decision to post a link to a film containing deeply offensive anti-Semitic material. While we appreciate the fact that he agreed to work with the Brooklyn Nets and the Anti-Defamation League to combat anti-Semitism and other forms of discrimination, I'm disappointed that he has not offered an unqualified apology and more specifically denounced the vile and harmful content contained in the film, which he chose to publicize. I will be meeting with Kyrie in person in the next week to discuss the situation. Great statement. Should have happened days ago. Should have happened after the first press conference. That, that, that's the NBA dropping the ball, frankly. And you know what it looked like? It looked like favoritism because, I believe this is in 2020, Myers Leonard made anti-Semitic comments. A bench player, I think for the Heat at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, he apologized the next day. He has not played an NBA game since. He's basically been kicked out of the league because of what he said. But Kyrie Irving hasn't missed any games and the NBA was silent for almost 48 hours about it? Give me a break. That's not good enough. And in a world where, I mean, in a world that's post Charlottesville and post George Floyd and so many other racism and anti Semitic actions and rhetoric that continues to get stronger and stronger in the country. It's scary how strong it's becoming. That this is allowed to happen in the NBA. In the NBA? This is supposed to be the league that's leading us in this on the sports side of things. Adam Silver, since the pandemic in particular, has been the commissioner getting the other league's acts together on this. And from the outside, it looked like the NBA was asleep at the wheel for two days. That was shocking in itself. Very, very disappointing. 
Now, Kyrie Irving, in those comments, this is the second press conference that led to that statement being released. Kyrie said, quote, I didn't mean to cause any harm. I'm not the one who made the documentary. Again, tone deaf, ignorant, appalling comment. Absolute, like, from a guy, again, that wants to, to act like he's smarter than you, what an idiot. What an idiot. How stupid are you, man? And if you're not stupid, you're hateful. You're anti-Semitic. There's no other options. How stupid can you be if you're not hateful towards a group of people? Basically, Nick Friedel, who's done a tremendous job for ESPN covering this, he tweeted out, Kyrie spoke for over seven, uh, for over six minutes. He said he took responsibility for his posts, but there was no formal apology like many around the league were hoping to hear and around the team. The press conference was cut short by Nets PR staffer. Embarrassing. <laughs> Absolutely embarrassing. If I was the Nets PR staffer, I, I would have said, too bad, you got to answer the questions. Sorry. You got to stay out there. Keep them, keep the questions coming. Keep them coming. I, again, it's, it's his job to, it's his or her job to, to do that. But it, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, again, this is a, another part of this. You know, Steve Nash has been fired. Jacques Vaughn is coaching the team. It gets to the next part of this, which is that the, the Nets, it looks like, are going to hire Ime Udoka to be their next head coach. I, I mean, it's, let me, let me see the, the latest. Last time I checked, it was very close. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski said on ESPN, uh, earlier on Thursday that it's very close. They're very close to a deal to bring in Ime Udoka as the head coach. Now, nothing's confirmed, but the rumors don't sound good about what Ime Udoka was doing in the Celtics organization with these extramarital affairs, right? That's all I'm going to say about it because we don't have all the facts. But the Nets think, I know what will solve all this. I know what will help us out. Let's bring in someone else who's facing some turmoil at the moment. God, what a just... Dysfunctional doesn't even begin to describe the Brooklyn Nets. Last thing I'll say about it, about the Nets in general, because there's a few other, there's a few other things with the Kyrie stuff. Um, Kyrie was asked, with the benefit of time, and this is again from Nick Friedel, over the last week, are you sorry for the pain that you caused, that your post caused people? He said, quote, Kyrie said, quote, I take my responsibility for posting that. Some things that were questionable in there, untrue. Like I said, in the first time you guys asked me when I was sitting on that stage, I don't believe everything that everybody posts. It's a documentary, so I take my responsibility. Such a stupid answer. If he's being coached by anybody, whatever, very, very dumb answer. Take responsibility is not an apology. And he didn't even say what he took responsibility just for, just for posting it. That doesn't even begin to describe the responsibility he should be taking for this ridiculous act of anti-Semitism whether he likes it or not it it really it's that's what it is at the end of the day 
And he did promote it. Whether he likes it or not, whether he wants to argue over the word or not. One year at Duke doesn't change the fact that it's, a, it's it. he promoted it. <laughs> End of story. Want to find a synonym, Kyrie? You promoted it. End of story. So, the Nets apparently are disappointed. The league's disappointed. And Nick Friedel said that the, the Nets and the, and the NBA wanted to hear Kyrie say, quote, I'm sorry or and or I don't have anti-Semitic beliefs. He said neither of those two things. Not good enough, to say the least. The other part of the Nets drama is apparently that Ben Simmons has a swollen knee and he's going to miss the trip that the Nets have upcoming on the road. Keep piling on the, the, the issues that the, uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets have on and off the court. Kyrie is on a whole other level of just hateful, stupid, stupid, ignorant, borderline hateful, comments and rhetoric i mean you know what you know what i hate the most about what Kyrie is Kyrie's response the way he's handled it he's almost smiling every time he answers a question about it smiling about it despicable behavior from Kyrie irving there's really no other way to say it and now if Ime Udoka is going to be the head coach of the team, what really does this season hold for the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and, and it's it's actually kind of taken all the pressure off of the fact that the Knicks have lost these three games in a row. That's how bad it's been in Brooklyn. That the, that the fact that the Knicks blew a 23-point lead at the Garden isn't even making, like, certain newspapers like front pages it's unbelievable everyone's just focused on the nets and it's because it it is one scandalous act after another from Kyrie, and it's an absolute tone deaf uh handling of certain parts of the basketball side of things from the nets it's as bad as it gets and brooklyn net fans out there I'm with you right now. My thoughts are with you. I really... I, I sympathize. I, I don't know how you guys have been handling... How all of you have been handling this. Especially Jewish fans out there. I, I... I... I'm at a loss for words. I can't imagine what the last week has been like for Jewish fans of the NBA. I mean, how can you trust certain people that are running the league and running the Nets and playing for the Nets after this. This is supposed to be a league and a commissioner that that stands up against stuff like this. Very, very difficult week to be an NBA fan and specifically a fan of the Nets. So I, 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 my last thought is anybody out there that has been hurt by this, I will say what Kyrie has not been able to say or doesn't want to say, and that is, I am sorry. 
Because you do not deserve that. Nobody deserves that. And I frankly hope that from from here, it gets better. But it's tough right now out there, man. It is really tough. And the best thing we can do is stick together and fight it. Because this is a fight we can't afford to lose on the whole. And the fact that we have to fight people like Kanye West and Kyrie Irving on it is despicable to me. Absolutely despicable. That's where I'll leave it on this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, Please do your best to keep it civil. If you do talk about it on Twitter with me or in the comments section, I'm posting at toasting.com. Um, it's a very serious issue, but it should be talked about with a lot more dignity, um, than what Kyrie and Kanye have been the way they've been talking about it because they have been absolutely, um, it's been unacceptable the way that they've been talking about it and supporting it in a way, especially Kanye, um, and promoting it, Kyrie, uh, on social media. Have a good week. To the best of your ability, thank you so much as always for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much as always for letting us talk about things like this, letting me talk about things like this on the show. It needs to be talked about and discussed, so it's much, much appreciated. Stay well, and I will talk to you all next time. Actually, before we go, I do want to mention this. It's a terrible segue. I get it. I apologize for it. Um... Next week's episode is going to be recorded a day earlier than normal. We'll be recording on the Wednesday instead of the Thursday. And the reason for that is because I'm going to be traveling back to the tri-state area um, from Florida. I am uh, done with my work for the year in Florida. And I'm coming back to the tri-state area for the holidays. Um, That is happening next week. So I'll be recording... A, a day before because um, I'm leaving on the Thursday basically so I'm tra- because I'm traveling that day I'll be recording a day earlier and uh, that is uh, how it's going to be for next week and then after that I'll go back to normal shows when I'm back up in the New York New Jersey Connecticut area which I'm very much looking forward to thank you again for always listening for always staying with me and for talking about these tough issues. Keep up the fight. Have a great week, and I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.